As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner. Thank you for joining me. I'm really pleased to be bringing you this week's guest. It is Lindsay Kelk. Um, she makes me smile, even just saying her name, even thinking her name makes me smile. She's one of those people. She's an author, fellow podcaster, cat lover, wrestling fanatic, who also happens to have excellent taste in music. And um, her I Heart series, the books that she writes, are that coveted thing that I would imagine many, if not all authors, want their books to be that um, word that doesn't exist, unputdownable. In fact, I'm currently sitting on my hands constantly trying not to abuse the author-reader relationship because I have, I'm reading one of her books at the moment and I want to get in touch and say, but is it going to be okay? What happens? Because I think that his, his intentions are a bit off and I'm not so happy about this. And I can't, you can't do that to an author. It's not fair. You have to read the book. <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, it's very tricky sometimes not to just tweet her and say something. But I have. I've only done it once, and she was cool about it, but I'm not going to do it again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show restraint. Anyway, in addition to having written 13 books, uh, she and makeup artist Harriet are the host of the beauty podcast Full Coverage, which dispenses with the crisp cellophane and pretty packaging um of unwrapping a new beauty product such as rihanna's fenty beauty for example to give a recent instance and they give you the lowdown on what the makeup inside is really like and they give it from harriet's perspective of a as a working makeup artist who knows what looks good what works with certain skin types what works well under the camera what will last all of those things that is just genius insight plus You've got Lindsay's perspective as a real beauty fan who also knows her stuff too, but has a slightly different perspective looking at it. It's a really interesting listen. If you like watching those videos on YouTube where people unwrap and open beauty products, or if you just like to hear about what something is like first, then definitely uh, give it a listen. Lindsay lives in LA, but she was in town, and by town I mean London, recently to promote the latest book in the I Heart series, which is I Heart Forever. So I stole her for a couple of hours to record this episode of the show. 
And we did what all good po podcasters do. We cross-pollinated. I'm going to trademark that. So you'll be able to hear me quacking on a future episode of full coverage. So if um, you want to hear what it's like when I'm answering, not asking the questions, then maybe pop into your uh, feed and subscribe to full coverage so you get the alert when that one comes out. We hold ourselves away in the new Bobby Brown Pro Store to record and it was just a brilliant day. And I was just trying to think, how did I meet Lindsay? Well, we've been chatting on Twitter for a while and we have quite a few mutual friends. And somehow, not too long ago, I appointed her as my life coach and it's been going very well, thank you very much. But to actually have proper FaceTime with Lindsay, it was a real pleasure. And I'm smiling again, she's just one of those people. On this episode, we talk about beauty geekery, how she went from living in Doncaster to living in LA down the road from where Ryan Gosling gets his breakfast, how she goes about writing her books. She has so many, I really, really wanted to know, and so much more. But also this week, I went to a very exciting beauty launch. Dr. Dennis Gross uh, invited me to try the new Spectralite, but it's it's Dr. X, I think. I don't know if you're supposed to say that because that makes it sound like an X-Man, which obviously means I'm already sold. But Spectralite Eye Care Pro is essentially an eye mask, but it's more rigid. It's not a disposable, it's a gadget. It's not disposable. So essentially you wear it. It's It looks a bit like, I urge you to go to my Instagram at Emigrams and you'll see me wearing it. It is like 3D glasses, but it doesn't have it's, it's a little bit like a superhero mask, is the only way I can really describe it in audio. But it's, it uses um, a full spectrum of light, so it uses amber, red, deep red and infrared wa wavelengths. And you wear it for a few minutes every day, and what it does is these wavelengths uh, stimulate the natural production of collagen to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. So the eyes generally tend to be the first area on the face that begin to show the signs of aging because uh, the skin around the eyes is uh, slightly thinner and also it's where we um, do most of our expressing. Our eyes move, therefore the skin um, tends to, uh, gets into the habit of falling into these particular creases. So actually, you know, I use eye cream, I'm sure many of you do use eye cream too, but it's actually really interesting to see a device come out that um, it's actually, designed to work on what's actually going on in the skin rather than putting something else into the mix. So I'm going to be using that and to give you uh, give you some feedback on what I think of it. But again, I urge you to go over to my Instagram to see what it looks like. And it's the kind of thing that it gives you permission. You put it on and it gives you permission to sit down quietly for five minutes. You can walk around with it on if you so wish, but actually why not just put your feet up and um, Go, right, I'm doing my Dennis Grow Spectralite, so I'm just gonna sit down for five minutes, have a little think about my day, my eyes are gonna look better for it at the end. So there's that. In addition this week, I've become feral in my pursuit of all things Masoma. So Masoma's a jewelry brand, and I'm the I've I watch uh, Sam Chapman's um, Instagram lives, and one of the questions I she gets asked a lot in addition to makeup obviously is about her necklaces and she's got this very cute necklace and I was like oh I might um I might go and take a look at that because she I think she mentioned that it was from a soma and then I discovered that earrings and having recently had three new ear piercings having had my traditional two for over 30 years no that's that's a lie maybe 30 years anyway 
I decided I needed some hoops and I needed some, some stuff going on and I've not been able to find anything unless it actually will break my bank, which is a horrible idea, just for earrings. But Misoma do really nice and um, pretty studs and they've got these incredible um, hoops with uh, turquoise drops and Harvey diamond drops. And they are far more reasonable for your wallet than uh, you know some of the other brands that are doing jolly well, thank you very much, um, with all the piercing trends. So I have spent a lot of time on that website. If you like um, jewellery and if you um, have a particular um, want for hoop earrings especially, I love the ones that, that um, have the turquoise drops. If you just like fine jewellery that's not too, I can't, I'm not doing it justice am I? Go and have a look, misoma.com, I'll put the link in the, in my show notes. I've just, it's just one of those things, you know when you just discover a brand and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I might possibly need everything. I've just had one of those moments and I want to share the love because I feel like um, it's the kind of thing when I recently, when I got my ears pierced and I was saying, oh, I just can't find nice earrings that won't break the bank and everyone was saying the same. And so I'm just telling the world because I feel like, oh, I, I think I think I found it. So um, I found it via necklaces, but hey, there you go. These earrings are rather fantastic. So that's what's been happening this week. But right now I think we should get into my chat with Lindsay because I'm smiling and it just makes me very happy. She's very cool. She's great fun. I learned a lot from her. She's an author, so I asked her about her creative process because I know many of you have enjoyed that question in the past. So I hope that you find this useful. Thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch with the show, please, it's very, very simple. You just have to go to uh, my website, emmaguns.com. You click the envelope, that email comes straight into my inbox. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter, which is where I tend to be most active. I do put stuff on Facebook, but not so much. Um, I'm at Emma Guns on both of those, and if you DM me on either of those, I do tend to get back to you. If you comment on any of my pictures and ask me a question, I do my level best to get back to you. Thank you to everyone who's been emailing recently. I have seen your messages. I'm sorry I haven't got to them as quickly as I would like, but trust me, I will. And apologies if there has been any kind of delay. Right, so here we go. Here it is. Lindsay Kelk, the epic Lindsay Kelk, on The Emma Gunn Show. I am face to face with my designated life coach, Lindsay Kelk. Hello, I'm very excited about this. I'm super excited because not only are you my life coach, um, we are fellow podcasters. Yes, which is very important, I think, for a life coach. I very important for a life coach, but also just good to be face to face with the podcast fam. Yes, because we're few and far between, and we're far flung. That's a lot of Fs. That was a lot of Fs. Yeah. Thank goodness you didn't fluff it up. <laughs> um, you are over in London at the moment because you're promoting your other project. Yes. I tried to use some American lingo. Yeah, I'm promoting my project. It's my most recent project. Which is your book, I Heart Forever. Yes. So is. you've been, what, what's the last week? How long have you been here now? I've been here for two and a half weeks. I've been on tour. Uh, I know, it's super exciting. I feel, I feel like a rock star. Um, which <laughs> Do you is, have screaming fans outside your hotel? No, it's the least rock and roll thing. Would you like me to organise something? If you could. Okay. That would actually be great. I'd feel really good about myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, book tour is like, I think it might be the least rock and roll tour of all of the tours. Um, but it's been really fun. It's just been crazy though. Um, 
This isn't your first book. It is not my first book, it's my 13th book. Criven! Yes. Are you superstitious? Did you start writing 14 in tandem? Um, I didn't, but I did. This is the first time I've ever switched projects halfway through because I started writing something else and it just would not come out. And I ended up switching it and doing this book instead because I knew I wanted to do this. I was supposed to do this after. So yeah, 13 was, it was sneaky. Mm. Interesting. So tell me about the books. Yeah, so the I Heart series, which is what I'm predominantly known for, I would say, mm. uh, and is what this book is a part of. It's part of the I Heart series. They are a series of rom-coms, heavy on the com, <laughs> steady on the rom, uh, about an English girl called Angela who moves to New York after finding out her fiancé is cheating on her at her best friend's wedding. Um, and so obviously that doesn't go down terribly well. So she gets up the next morning, has a fit of this is enough is enough, I'm not having this, gets on the plane to New York just to get away, and ends up finding a whole new exciting life for herself out there. And then the books follow her on her adventures, hijinks and soon. I love that. Did you call your protagonist Angela because of Angela chasing my so-called life? I didn't, but I could have. I actually named her after um, a Stella Star song. The Stella Star were a very big band. They weren't. They were a moderately big band <laughs> in the early to mid-2000s. That great time for guitar-driven in Iraq, um, but I was, uh, I was listening to, I was listening to Stella Star, don't feel like no one remembers you, I do. I don't know, I just thought back to the early 2000s and thought, oh that was a couple of years ago and then realised it's sometime, sometime ago yeah, now. unfortunately, sometime, yeah, classes. Um, how does, okay. What were you doing before the books, and how do you... This is a popular question, and I know a lot of listeners are very intrigued by the answers. How do you go about having an idea, structuring it, and then putting it on paper? Oh, I don't know. Um, so before the book, I know that one. Before the book, I was actually a children's editor. So I was a children's book editor. Well, before that, I was a PR and I did some beauty PR, which is kind of how we are where we are today. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I left PR because I was really bad at lying about bad beauty products and pretending they were good when they're not, which is how I ended up on the other side of it. Uh, but I left PR and moved into children's publishing um, as an assistant uh, on a licensed publishing list. So we made all the books for film and TV stuff. So I would like, do Shrek books, Fifi and the Flower Top, Noddy, Mary-Kate and Ashley... That's oh, me. Mary that was me. Yeah, um, I'm trying to channel their hair today. <laughs> so, <laughs> 2007. Constantly trying to channel their everything. We'll see their extraordinarily expensive bags. Um, well, I met them when we were doing their books. I met them. <gasps> yeah, we did an event when they were over here pimping something that they had branded. And they were telling us. Because I was like, oh, you know, what are you going to do next? Do tiny, tiny miniature creations. <laughs> um, and we couldn't control Mary Kate because she was just dead excited because she'd seen Ross from Friends in the hotel library, which was what she said. <laughs> we were like, aww. Um, and Ashley was like this super intense business maven even then. And they were like 20. It was insane. Uh, and Ashley's there telling me and my friend, we're like, oh yeah, well, we're actually working on a fashion line and we want to be like Marc Jacobs and have a diffusion line and then a high-end line. And we were sort of there with our like pop going like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that sounds likely. Of course you are, of course you are. I feel silly now. I want to go back in time and like, apologise and also ask if I can get involved somehow. Yeah, with shares. Yeah, yeah, anything. Just that free bag again. Um, Mary-Kate and Ashley, I always think, because they go to the Met Ball yeah. every year, and I always think, 
Because they look fabulous. Mm-hmm. I've watched their movies where I like them yes. very, very much. I and New York Minute is a great movie. It's a great film. New York Minute is a great film. And they were actually very good actresses. I thought so. Um, but I do think if I were to be on that table at the Met Ball, because yeah. I really think if the Met Ball ever does happen for me, it's like I'm going to have one shot. <laughs> yes, me and you both. And, and my I, shot will be getting in through the toilet window. Yeah, and I don't think if I if they were either side of me, that that would be my best night at the Met Ball. I just they didn't they don't seem very. They they're miniature humans. They yes. are absolutely tiny. And I met them. They were quite yes miniatures. They weren't quite twenty one because uh, they took over their company. This very exciting insider thing. But because we worked with their company, we were privy to all that. But they took over their company when they were twenty one. Everything changed. So they could have only been twenty. Um, when we met them, and they were just so tiny, absolutely teeny tiny, and Mary Kate was just wild eyed and very excited about having met Ross and to tell us that they closed Top Shop down so they could have a like a go round. Um, <laughs> which I was like, I want, I want to come round Top Shop. We don't want the same sizes. You won't. I won't be competing with you. Um, I would Ashley, have just gone round after her and bought everything that she bought yeah, in my size. Yeah, yeah, and it would have been amazing. Yeah. But Ashley was so on it. She was, even then, so smart. She knew exactly who everyone was, what brand they worked on, what territories you looked after, what your annual income for their brand was. I couldn't believe it. Um, they were just, she was so sharp. And I should have known then that she meant it. <laughs> she was like, I'm going to become a massive international uh, global fashion label. I'm like, okay, cool. They haven't gone into beauty yet, though, have they? No, just the fragrance. It's, can you get the fragrance here, the Nirvana? Oh, Elizabeth and James Nirvana. Yes, I've had a press release about yeah. it. It's got quite a snazzy bottle, hasn't it? Yes, because they've got a couple of different variants now as well. There's the black and the white, and I think yes. there's another couple. They're very intense, very strong oh, fragrances. I'm not very good at those, but I, I'm Yeah, it's kind of like a Narcissa uh, Rodriguez type thing, or a strong Tom Ford. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yes, writing right. books. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, right. I've tried, I think this is going to be how this is going to go yeah. in lots of different directions, and I'm fine <laughs> with that. I have tried to write books, I've tried to write short stories, and yes. inevitably, for me personally, it's always very autobiographical and it tends to be um, like therapy. Yeah. Is that where you started, or were you able? Is yours more fantasy? Like, how does it yeah, work? Yeah, mine for was you? definitely a fantasy. I Heart New York was my first book, which was sorry, I've got hiccups um, <laughs> about Angela moving to New York, and that was entirely an anywhere but here fantasy. So I was at HarperCollins working as an assistant in the children's division, which was great. It was a really good job. I got lots of opportunities. I got to write books for you know Noddy, who doesn't love that dream. Um, but I was also in a really miserable relationship and I was really broke and my life was just not in a good place mm. and I didn't see a way out of it and I'd just been to New York with my brother for his birthday and which my mum basically made him take me <laughs> which was like, the best thing she ever did and I still I apologise I've taken him since and like I've flown him out to LA to visit and stuff so I've, he's had it back mm-hmm. but he did me a massive solid by taking me to New York for his birthday right got Big brothers don't want to take their little sister on holiday to New York for their own 30th birthday. No. But he did, because he's a champion. Uh, So I'd been and loved it, and just couldn't see a way of how I could ever be there, and Mm -hmm. wanted to be there so badly. So I sat down to write, and it was actually 
um, just after Christmas, and then I sort of made it my New Year's resolution that I was going to write every day until I had something finished. Because I think that's one of the hardest parts, is finishing something. Because mm. it's easy to start, yep. and then you get lost in the middle, or it goes in a direction you didn't expect, or life gets in the way, mm. and other stuff comes up. Uh, so I was just like, right, you've got to finish this. And I actually, the same New Year's, I was like, I'm going to write every day, I'm going to start writing. Because I'd always loved to write, and then it just stopped because of work and yeah. life. And, you know, we all... It's, it's really hard to publish a book. It's really, really hard. And I was working in publishing, so I had a very realistic idea of how hard it would be. So I'd given up. Um, and then I just said, you know, if you don't try, you don't get. So I started writing the book. I started writing my beauty blog, and I started writing a journal like, at the same time. Uh, and that's how everything sort of kicked off, which was good. Do you think that having that creative output... Um, I think when you find the right channel or the right platform yes. I should say yeah. whatever that might be I've been a writer for 15 odd years now but um, I feel like I've, I've found my proper space with the podcast yeah. it just feels really right Do you, did you feel like you just all the pieces slotted into place yeah and... gave up on the journal pretty quickly because that was not as much fun real life wasn't nearly as much fun as fantasy life uh, and the beauty blog I kept up with and I loved it and I did that daily for about three years and then when I moved to the States like that had to take a back seat because the books had taken off mm-hmm. um, and the books I just loved it as soon as this is the thing I always say as my writing advice is when a lot of people will say I want to write a book and I don't know where to start once you know what the thing you want to write is it will come mm-hmm. more easily and I think a lot of people beat themselves up and try and force a story out of themselves because they've just decided yeah. I should write a book but if you've got nothing to say, you can't say it. And that's true. And I, I um, a couple of years ago, I did. Uh, it was supposed to be go once a week for like sixteen yeah. weeks or something and write a book. And it ended up uh, they cancelled that course because they went off peep, and then it started yeah. it by correspondence. And it was essentially you have to figure out what your heroine is at the beginning, what she, what's going to change her, and what the resolution is going to be. Yeah by the end and, it, and they sort of made it feel like it was painting by numbers mm. and I don't feel that that's no really that, that's not how it works for you that's not how it works and everyone has a different way to write and a different mm. way to find their story the big thing in the states whenever you do writing advice someone will ask you are you a, are you a plotter or a pantser um, because you're either a plotter or a pantser so you either plot everything out step by step and you go by the seat of your pants oh um, and I can't do those beds because I laugh and be like, pants mean snickers um, <laughs> and they don't like it because Americans don't like being corrected on such things in general no. some will find it charming um, either way how do you fare with good. bottom um, and fanny it, it's troublesome because mm. you hear a lot of fanny yeah it's a, you hear a lot of fanny um, and the hardest thing is, and I don't want to get political because it will just make me open a vein, but our president, the current president of the United oh, States, that oh. his name is the childhood word for farting. Yes, that's true. And that's true. really troublesome for me every time he's on television. A, it's funny because I'm like, <laughs> Trump. President Trump. That's my nana thing. Have you Trumped? That could have been a character in one of your naughty books. Yeah, Mr. Trump. Trump. Is there a Mr. Trump? Where was there a Mr. Was like Hammerwick Green? I feel like there has been a Mr. or a Policeman Trump. If this helps, I was listening to the RuPaul Michelle Visage podcast the other day, and they call Trump 48. Yeah, 45. 45? Yeah, he's 45, sadly. Or maybe it's 45th. Yeah. Yes, anyway, they call him 
a lot of people do because they don't want to use his name because yeah. you know, giving the name gives it power. And it's a bit it's like Voldemort, writing... it's a Voldemort situation. Like, don't give him his name. It's also like saying it out loud is the same as writing it on Twitter. Like people could find it. Yeah. It adds to their searchability. Yeah, it's, mon- it's, it's monstrous. The whole thing is monstrous. Um, completely forgot what we were talking about because I get so excited. Uh, but yeah, the plotter on pants. The situation is, I I am a pantser. Mm. I am a pantser. Um, not a fannier or a bottomer. I'm a pantser. Uh, I just don't, I never have a clue. I know where I'm starting, and I know where I kind of where I want it to end, but it changes all the time. I also feel like if and I get this, it's an obvious question to ask. Because a lot of people want to have some form of creative output, whether yeah. it's a book or a podcast or whatever. But I do feel like it is even when somebody asks me that question, like how do you do your podcast, it immediately yeah. it wrong fits me. Yeah, well, because also I think when you have a creative outlet is your living as well. Like, I, if I think about it too much, I can't do it. Yeah. Which is when I realised that was when I sort of realised, oh, this is who you are and what you do. Because it's, it's really weird to go from having an office job and a, a day job that you can explain to people and people recognise to doing something quite random and, and creative to it. Yeah. Because you then imagine everything you say about it sounds incredibly pretentious and terribly worthy and silly and I, I feel like I have to apologise and justify what I do all the time so then when you start talking about your process and the way that your work comes to you I, you have to do it in that voice because yeah, yeah, you just yeah. feel like you have to apologise for your existence and then I, and then I try not to because I also think that's a woman thing where we shouldn't have to apologise for what we do I agree with you, Jen Sincero talks about that when I had him on the podcast and was talking about don't say sorry yeah. but also I love those Like I love in the studio in the actor's studio with James Lipton. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favourite <laughs> things ever. Tell me about your process. Yeah. But I also, there's another one, I've forgotten the name of it, off camera. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of the interviewer, but it's black and white one-on-one interviews. Yeah. And there's a series that's like a five, five series of about 12 episodes each. And I love Jessica Chastain. I think she's, she's a goddess. fucking awesome. And then Mary Grimmel does her makeup. A few of my friends have interviewed her recently and are just like, she is a fucking rock star. Yeah. And she was on it, and she started talking about her process. And I, find, I felt myself, for the first time, feeling quite uncomfortable. Because yeah. there is something about talking about how you are creative that's... Yeah, it feels like something you shouldn't be allowed to celebrate. Mm. I don't know why, because you should. You absolutely should. Jessica Chastain is an incredible person yeah. who puts amazing performances on screen, stage, whatever, every time she walks out of her door. I want to hear about her process, but at the same time... I would cringe. Yeah. And it shouldn't be that way. It's crazy. And I do think, again, yeah, it's women. I don't think, you know, when Tom Hardy stands up and says, this is my process, we're like, oh, tell us more, Tom. Tell us how you suffered. I do my, I learned my lines in the nude. Excellent, Tom. <laughs> yes, oh, very good. Whereas if a woman said, I've got to learn my lines in the nude, you'd be like, ugh, loves herself. Exactly. And it's stupid. It's so stupid. It's so internalised and awful. It is. It's, it's bollocks. It is bollocks, that's, that's put a very fine point on it. Yes, I yeah. think it covers covers it off nicely. A multitude of uh, process things. Um, yes, so I think creative process is one of those things that also, if you actually could articulate it, then we wouldn't procrastinate. And no, exactly. I certainly procrastinate. Yeah, and if I didn't procrastinate, I wouldn't have a podcast and we wouldn't be here. So, yay, procrastination. Pro- procrastination is why you've got a podcast. Yeah, pretty much. When I'm writing, I will seek out any other <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> Literally, my underwear drawer will be organised through the internet's oh, yeah. live. 
Um, I've decorated entire rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I've come up with entire other series and projects and anything to do, anything at all other than do the thing I'm supposed to be doing. But I find, and I don't know if this is how you work, I can have a deadline yep. and I can be given a month to write something. Yep. And when I get it, all of that stuff, all of the ideas, everything that I'm going to do, it percolates. Yep. But I can only execute when the deadline is looming. exactly the same. I finished I Art Forever, obviously, a couple of months ago, because it's out now, a few months ago. I then had to sort of let my brain rest for a minute, because you get, like, really... A, a book will like, mess with your brain, because you have to create an entire other universe yeah. in your head. Um, and that is a bit weird. Um, uh, so that had to chill for a bit, and then I was doing the copy edits and all of the fun, boring stuff that comes after the actual writing. And then... I was like, well, I've got like four months until my next deadline. I've now got two months until my next deadline. <laughs> Have I actually started writing the book? But I yeah. think there's something to be said that whole percolation. percolation yeah, I'm, I'm circulating. Yeah. And I also feel like your brain does a lot of work in the background that you yeah. don't have to be involved. Oh yeah, and you don't even know about it. And suddenly, like I was thinking about it yesterday, the new book, and something just occurred to me while I was in the shower and I'm like, oh god, no, that's what that is and that makes loads more sense now. Yeah. And until all those little jigsaw pieces fall into place when you sit down to write it, what you come out of is just going to be guff. It's terrible. <laughs> guff and trump. Just guff and trump. <laughs> when, when I was at school, it was always very much, on a Friday afternoon, you'd be told, now, if you want to sort of, you know, be in the top group, yeah. you want to do your homework when you get home this evening. Yeah, no, I'm going to do it Sunday night evening. or Monday morning. They were my two choices. During Songs of Praise, once yeah. all the good TV is <laughs> yeah. finished. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly the same, and I still am, and I, I find it really, really hard to move. I've tried to do it earlier, and it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, and this is the plot of cancer thing again. Like, I've got friends that will plot books out mm. on post-it notes and index cards, each character word for word like you know exactly what's happening in every chapter and then you write it but to me that's not the fun of it because I kind of write it how I read it which is just to find out what's happening as I go along and that like gives it its life and its excitement and in theory my books are really funny so like to me that's how you can't plot out humour yeah so you have to just and there'll be set pieces that I'll I'll know I'm working up to something but also a lot of those things that I plan end up getting cut because they're dead on the page because I've overworked it in my head so to people that want to write and feel terrible about not having you know this epically planned out Game of Thrones universe don't worry about it oh my god do you watch Parks and Rec? I've watched some Parks and Rec I'm very familiar with its work it's Combs of Dunshire if anyone knows <laughs> Parks and Rec if you've seen the episode where Ben creates the board game that yeah. is essentially a plot Game of Thrones thing yeah. I just don't I can't I couldn't. I don't even know what goes on in Game of Thrones if I'm truthfully honest. Man, it's just comfy. I've read the books, so I feel like I've what? got. Yeah, yeah. Were you procrastinating? Yes, yes, I was. <laughs> um, I, my roommate in New York was obsessed with it, so when the TV shows came out, she wouldn't let me watch it until I'd read the books, which is ridiculous and silly. And I'm not a child, but I'm also afraid of her. Right. So, um, so we did watch it. That one. <laughs> yeah, we did watch it, but I did read them. Um, and it's, there's just a lot. There's a lot in there, man. A lot, a lot. Yeah, like a lot, a lot. And now when I'm watching it, I'm just like, yeah, you did, you did a good job of condensing this madness and nonsense. If you had to visually describe your creative process, yes. is it Jessica Fletcher in the introduction to Murder, She Wrote? It's magical. Is it Barbara Cartland? Yes. Or is it uh, Stephen King? 
It's probably more it's Babs because I do like to like have a have a chocolate as I'm going. It's a wee snack. Do you recline everyone? Do you ever use one of those programs where you dictate into it? Oh, Matt, no, I wish I could. I, I, I've actually tried that. It doesn't work. It's silly. <laughs> it just looks silly on the page. I can't. I have to just stay up until like three o'clock in the morning and bang out whatever is there because mm-hmm. I work better at night and I, I can only do it when I've got like completely um, paying attention to what I'm doing. It's that bloody Dior ring. My ring is attacking my jumper. It hates it, and I don't know why. The Dior ring is a present to yourself. It was a present to myself, which again felt really silly. But I was like, no, I want this. No, it's never silly. Yeah, it's to not, celebrate it's not. oneself. Yeah, it? I just published a book, and like I wanted a thing. It's really silly. So it's a Dior Wee ring, and I'm sure people, some people will know what that is. But it's a silly little filigree ring that says Wee. Um, it's the French for yes, not a wee wee. And it came out like years ago mm. as like a promise ring. They marketed it as like propose with this and then let her pick her own engagement ring, which I thought was marketing genius because <laughs> you've sold another ring. Exactly. Um, and I always wanted it and I loved it so much. And my boyfriend at the time, who was I'd been with for years and years, was all like, oh, I'll get you that when I propose. And it was that 50 50 thing of being like, I hope he does and I hope he doesn't. <laughs> and, and I just sat and waited on it for years and then saw it the other day and walked past Dior. And, so when are you walking past do it or never and then also like, what are you waiting for like don't wait for somebody else to go and get that for you you just publish your 13th book and go and yes. get it so but, I did yeah. and the man in the shop didn't need that whole story but he got it <laughs> <laughs> I also spilled water everywhere because he gave me a bottle of water and I knocked it over and well that's was... you subconsciously saying excuse me squire I expected <laughs> you to champagne exactly this is what I think yeah, of your water yeah effing nonsense squire. and a baby bottle of that yeah, oh, I do quite like a baby bottle. I do. It felt special. It made me feel like King Kong. My car. It's why I like air travel. <laughs> I like mini. I like the mini cans. Yeah. And tonic. The teeny tiny Gordons and the teeny tiny tonic. Yeah. Yeah. Although I need about four of them. I'm like, excuse me, squire. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a very nice gesture. But where is the rest of them? Yeah. Um, you did something that I thought about doing a few years ago. Yes. And I thought about moving to Los Angeles because it just seemed like people on the hills were happier than I was in yeah. London and so I thought yeah I know that I could juice yeah I would like juice to like go hiking in the canyon yeah the leisure wear seems to be better it, it's pretty intense yeah. and you seem to constantly be fighting off men so I was like yeah I'm moving to LA what's the reality Lindsay um, the reality is absolutely juice uh, <laughs> I lived when I first moved to LA which I moved there two and a half years ago I I moved to what I referred to as the Golden Juice Triangle because I lived in Los Feliz and there was a juice shop. And like, I was in the middle of a triangle of really good juice shops. So I did refer to it as the Golden Juice Triangle. Um, the best one being just this little, like, mom and pop juice store on Hillhurst um, in Los Feliz, which is, like, the best. And they do this juice. It's actually a smoothie, a d- delicious smoothie, and it's, like, cacao and date and um, mm. almond milk and then loads of good stuff as well oh, secretly snuck in and it is delicious it's is it safe, it's not a lie of hiding peas in mashed potatoes yeah but I'm sure it's like a million calories because it's full of cacao and almond milk and bananas and stuff but it's so delicious and you convince yourself it's good because mm-hmm. it's from a juice shop how yes. could it be bad it will not be bad um, loads of juice yeah, why why did you make the move? Because where were you? I was in New York, so before? I I was in London um, for work for HarperCollins, and after several years of after I'd been to New York 
and was inspired to write I Heart New York. A lot of people think it's autobiographical and it's not. I wrote the book and sold it and everything before I moved to New York. I actually, the book came out about three weeks before I moved. Um, I worked with the licensing team, as I said, and I basically bothered the US team who we worked in tandem with because we would get the licenses for the movies as a global company Mm -hmm. and I was always the one that would bother the US team so I would stay late so that I could do the phone calls with LA and I would come in early so that I could get everything off to New York before they started and that it was a bit it was considered a bit try hard and a bit too keen by the people in the in the London office. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah there's nothing wrong with it. It turns out there's nothing wrong with being a keynote. Um, because that's what got me over to New York. Because when the job was created in the New York office for someone to do branding and licensing in-house, they thought of me, yeah. They're like, we need someone who's got the global reach of it. We want someone that's got a creative element to them, which I'd sign my book deal so they knew I could write and create. And they wanted someone with the licensing background. So that's how I got there. So never let anyone tell you not to be a keynote, because that's how I got to move to New York. So I did that eight years ago. I moved over to New York. I was there for six years. Um lived out every Sex in the City fantasy possible. Right, break that down. Yeah, all of them, all of them. Um, it was like best girlfriends humans could ever meet. Cause Did you meet Terry White? I met Terry White in New York. That's Former podcast guest. Yeah, my wife, <laughs> the wife. Terry um, is so cool. Who we introduced you by Sarah Manning, uh, who is the literary editor at Red, who is the bestest. Yeah, she introduced us on Twitter. And so I think I'm gonna need to buy a hat. And she was right. Um, so yeah, we met in New York when she moved over there for work. And this is the thing that New York does, which London does as well. When I lived in London, it never got a fair crack because I lived with my boyfriend who I didn't like very much and we lived in the suburbs and London was not my friend. So were you really close I to wasn't kind of, of London. Were you kind of close to sort of living the 20-something dream, like boyfriend, house? You call it a dream. It was not a dream. It, it was a nightmare. We had a mortgage and a cat and a... Passat car that I couldn't drive and we didn't like each other. Um, the cat went to live in the countryside with my mum and dad okay, and she good. lived a long and happy life. I wanted to take her to New York with me but she had a heart murmur and she couldn't come. So we had a very tearful goodbye where she just did not give a shit and immediately was like, uh, this is the best and I live in the country now and I'm going to learn to eat things and bring them into the house. So she did me proud. Um, yeah, I was, I met my boyfriend when I was 20 and we were together until I was like 27 and we shouldn't have been and we're, we're, we're on good terms like things weren't bad when we ended it it was just like oh we've wasted so much time and then I got the offer to go to New York and like peace out this has been great um, this has been <laughs> a fun drop. seven years yeah mic drop Kelk out um, yeah he's very happy he's married with a baby it was the right thing for both of us but um, yeah don't do that guys if you no know it's not right the reason why I call it the dream is I think that whatever you land in or on or yeah. around when you were in your 20s um, if you move away from home. Yeah. Lots of my friends who I went to uni with still live in the villages where they grew up. Yeah. And their lives have just continued and they've had the various landmarks. Oh, and that was brilliant yeah. for them. But for me, I was from a small village and I came to London seeking the bright lights and I landed in my 20s on magazines and that was, yeah. I did not, that was yes. my oxygen. It was exactly the same. I'm from a small mining village in South Yorkshire near Doncaster um, and people don't leave. And the fact that I wanted to leave was not looked upon kindly. And, the, you know, people that say they're now awesome lives and they're really happy and that's the best. And I'd love to reconnect with people on Facebook, actually, and seeing how their lives have show, turned out. And they're all really happy with everything they have. But it wasn't for me. And I knew that. And I knew I wanted to get out and see more and do more um, than that offered me. Uh, because 
you know, I just, I read too much as a kid. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's more stuff out there, guys. And I, at the time, I was like, maybe I'll end up coming back here. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I will now. But um, yeah, it was really hard at the time because it made my teenage years quite difficult. That's really challenging. I felt the same. The whole way through my teenage years, I just didn't feel like I was in the right place. Yes, yeah, same. And I was not given an easy time for expressing that. Mm. Uh, it's not looked upon kindly sometimes for teenagers to want more, I think, which is tough. Um, but if you want it, go and get it. Like, don't let anyone tell you you shouldn't have something. I remember being told, doing one of these um, aptitude tests, yes. I think I must have been about 16. My parents had to pay for this thing, that the school were like, she should probably do it. <laughs> and um, I had always said to the careers counsellor, I want to be a performer. Yeah. I'd love to be an actress. I mean, we're so the same. I was, I was Nancy and Oliver at my school, and I was obsessed with the fact that I was going to go to performing arts college. And they were like, "You're not. You're from a pit village in Donning. You're not going anywhere." <laughs> it's like, you're going to do English. You're going to come back. You're going to be a teacher, and you're going to shut up. And that's what I was told oh. for all teenage years. Even though on this, so this Morrisby test, I think it's called the Morrisby test. Yeah. So you had you in the middle, and then these lines would go off to what yeah. you should be doing. And the thicker the line, the more. Whatever, the thickest line went to social worker. <laughs> Sorry, you're like, but you are kind of doing that for me now. So I, like, I don't it's, think it's wrong. I was like, but, but the line to, to performer is it's not the thinnest line on here. Yeah, it's on there. But I, I genuinely I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. I was like, I, I want yeah. to see the world. Yeah, me too. And, and it's it, challenging to break away from that. It's really me. challenging. And there wasn't, I mean, I, my parents, I'm sure, won't care now. But they were not especially supportive and they, they weren't saying, like, go out there and get it. They were just like, just be quiet and don't make a fuss. Um, and my school was pretty good, actually. My teachers were pretty great. I'd just been like, just hang on in there and when you get to uni, this will all feel better. Because mm. I didn't have a fun time at school. And I, like, my wanting to learn was not looked upon kindly um, by the other kids. Um, and it, it, was, it was rough. And until I got to London, well, uni was amazing because I met really good people in, mm. in uni. And then I got to London, but I'd moved in with my boyfriend because I didn't know what else to do. I, I was afraid. Mm. Uh, I was too scared to do it on my own. And we stayed together for way longer than we should have. Um, and that was not good, but it ended up being the best thing because that's kind of what pushed me to write the book mm. and to move to New York because I then knew that I could do it. Yeah. Um, and I knew it was a you do it now or you're never going to ever do this. It does sometimes sound like a cliche, but it is true. Like If something has happened and it's not ideal or you wish you'd left it earlier, you will always look and say, but if I had left it earlier, I wouldn't yeah. be here now. Yeah, I wouldn't have ever gone to... I wouldn't have written I Heart New York and I wouldn't have moved to New York. And, and that was what defined and changed my life to where it is today. Um, but New York was just... It's an incredible experience, but you have to get it by the throat and go for it. Mm. And I met so many amazing women, mostly the wife... Um, because everyone that's there and that succeeds there and stays there, you're fighting to be there. So they were some of like the bravest, smartest, boldest women who were just there to kick ass every day and get what they want and fight for it. Mm. And you end up being such a support group for each other because it is hard. And we didn't have our families with us, and most of us were single or dating terrible people. <laughs> another story for another day. Um, so you end up like creating this family and this incredibly strong bond. And it's some of the best friends. That I, I know the friends I'll have for the rest of my yeah. life, and it's people that we just check in still daily. Yeah. And it was just the most amazing thing. And we would get together, and there was, you know, I was a writer, and my friend was the mag- Terry's a magazine editor, and then we had a friend that worked in advertising another friend that was a PR and I was like, it is a bit too close to it sometimes isn't it can we get a lawyer and we did get a lawyer and she's like a Venezuelan jewellery designer 
slash gorgeous human as well because because everything has to be like TV and she's incredible and it's just like everyone was amazing and just so great but I think as well if you have had that experience of feeling like you're in the wrong compost yeah yes for a long time when you do actually make a decision as big as saying oh I'm going to move to a different country or yeah. I, I want to pursue this career or whatever it might be when you start off I don't know about if, I don't want to put words into your mouth but this is how it felt for mm. me it felt like I was on a bike as like a little kid yeah. riding without my stabilizers for the first time. <laughs> and and like, I wanted look to look go. around and just check that I was doing it because I didn't. You know that feeling of yeah, not saying absolutely that you are, so you need someone yeah. else to tell you that you're yeah. flying. Yeah, it was it was crazy. It was really weird because I've never been like a big risk taker until I moved to New York, and I couldn't quite. And I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any money. I had the promise of a job contract for a year. Um, so I went, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, but you went and you were a famous author and you probably knew those people. Do you know, I knew one person from the office who was like, I was going knowing I had a work friend um, and I didn't have any money because I was in student debt and credit card debt and everything else debt. So I went sort of breaking even in the end because I paid off my debts when I left, but I went without a promise of anything. But it was like, you do it now or you don't do it. And it was enough, I'd scared myself enough by spending so much time in the relationship that had not been good. And mm-hmm. when I would look back on it and that you spent a lot of time in that relationship unhappy and you've lost time on that, so are you going to lose this? Yeah. And I had scared myself to the point where I'm like, no, you're going to do it. And that's the thing that gets you out the door. I'll go yeah. to this party. Yeah. Exactly. And that was it, the first sort of six, and I'm so bad. I have, I do, we've talked about it briefly, but I do suffer from anxiety and I struggle with social situations because before I'm out the door I've already convinced myself that everyone thinks I'm fat and stupid and awful and they're talking about me every time I turn around and I can talk myself out of something in a heartbeat and the first six months of having to say yes to everything in New York was horrible Mm. but also super exhilarating because when I got there and had had a drink (laughs) it was fine and I met all these amazing people and New York is actually a lot of people would said to me like oh you're going to hate it because everyone's so cold and hard and it's the worst place I've never lived anywhere so welcoming I've never had that I've always felt like actually the eye contact in New York freaks me out as a Londoner yeah. who makes no eye contact because they look at you all the time yeah and, and they and people will be nice yeah and I would meet people and they would say like oh have me on Facebook now and we'll get brunch this weekend and I'm like yeah sure we will and then I would get home and there'd be a message saying like, well should we meet at Cafe Colette at 11 I'm like oh. then, <laughs> I was so shocked I remember going over to the States now I was in New England in 1999 nice God, I'm old. And, <laughs> and uh, I remember, uh, yeah, I was in New England with a girl who was from New England, had been in LA, yeah. and she was like, oh, LA is so much nicer than here. People are so rude and on the East Coast. Yeah. And I was like, bitch, no, you crazy. Yeah, yeah, so what are you drinking? I'm going to have some. <laughs> no, it's not at all. And like having moved to LA now, it's, LA's great and people are very friendly, but they're also massively flaky and super full of it. So, whereas in New York, if someone says, let's do something, you're doing it. You're right. doing it immediately and it's happening. If someone says, let's do something in LA, maybe you're doing it. Maybe, maybe you're doing you it in six months. Maybe you're not doing it at all. Maybe they'll be an hour late to meet you. Maybe you'll do it. Maybe someone else, maybe Jessica Biel will maybe Jessica the rest Biel will do it. Maybe Jessica Biel Maybe you'll do nothing. Maybe you'll stay at home and so... I'm wildly obsessed with Jessica Biel. Did you see how she made an entrance on the Ellen Show this week? Last I didn't. Week? I didn't. What she did she do? Um, came, you know Twitch, the DJ. Yes. Uh, she walked down, danced down the stairs to uh, Time of Your Life. Nice. And then did the lift. Oh. 
posh, very That's cool. nice. We went to a restaurant recently. She's got a restaurant in LA. She has. Everyone's got a restaurant in LA. Yes, we went. Um, my friend's got a little boy, and we couldn't palm him off on anyone, so he came with us. And she's got like a really fancy, like play pub basically you know when you go to the pub here and they've got the playroom that's grubby and unpleasant yeah. but you just throw your kid in and don't worry about it she's got a really fancy one of those in Beverly Hills or West Hollywood that sort of area called R Fudge R Fudge yeah um, I'm not desperately saying I recommend it but you know yeah, if Jessica Biel's going yeah if you've got a kid it's, it's the tits okay. but um, if you haven't I've got other recommendations for you just so what um, I went to the Chateau yes nice I've been to the LA once I was there for 48 hours and I and that made you want to live there no oh. um, <laughs> no I, it was to interview the Backstreet Boys you're living everyone's dream no because I was like proper nerd I went is this where they film Baywatch because we filmed at filmed the location house like yeah. on the coast but it was up a bit, it was like up a cliff, yes, but you could see the sea. Mm-hmm. Where and I was like, Is that they filmed Baywatch? Because I was really worldly wise, who knows, and sophisticated. And I was shouting to them, and then we were, we were in this garage, we were shooting in one house, and then by the pool, yeah, but it was part of a complex where there was yeah. another house. We were when we were in this garage, and I was chatting facing the garage doors, and then someone said, oh, We must open these so there's more light. And they opened the garage doors, and you would have loved my face because I wear a, a heart shaped necklace that says Arnie for Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you can imagine my face where the garage doors open, and I'm like, that's Miles Dyson's house from Terminator 2. And I realised <laughs> that I was on the set of Terminator 2, and I just. That's actually amazing. I'm going to need that address when we finish this. Yeah. Because I've got a car. And I no longer thought about. Um, Brian Howie. Yeah, you're not AJ. worried whether Backstreet's back or not at all. Backstreet was over. <laughs> so far as I was concerned. That's amazing. What was what prompted the move to LA just to it round was, off your... It was a couple of things. It was primarily our boy. Yeah. So I met my boyfriend um, in LA. He's a friend of a friend. And I was there for uh, various reasons, but one of the reasons to see my ex-boyfriend. There was no overlap. There was a clear six months. Just so we're all clear. But yeah, I had I been dating a guy in LA and uh, had reconnected actually with a London friend who was living there. So I had gone over to see her and um, do that really fun thing that we girls do, which is like, have dinner with your ex because you hate yourself and it seems like a good idea. Um, so I was seeing him and seeing her and I met my boyfriend at my friend's house at her Super Bowl party because it was the most American of days. It was so American. I like so LA. Hashtag so LA. This is two years ago. Three years ago. Would that have been the Bruno Mars halftime show? I, yes, because the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were on it as well, weren't they? And that, I do remember saying I'd like to go back on time, in, on time, in time and, and show this to Anthony Giedis oh. and have a little chat with him and say, this is, this is where it's going, Anthony. Stop it. Um, yes. Have you read his book, Scar Tissue? No, I've got it and I haven't read it. It's I must. Brilliant. Yeah. If you are ever looking for something to procrastinate with <laughs> and you're <laughs> out of Real Housewives I've just this weekend whilst working I have it on in the background just to clarify I've I feel just like done... with you Vanderpump Rules that quite well I feel like it's been gone forever I can't really do that but I've just done Real Housewives of Auckland <laughs> in one weekend because Nadine Baggett put me onto it and, and yet you won't watch Vanderpump Rules no, I do watch Vanderpump Rules but it's like on my tier system of reality Rules. TV it's like Real Housewives Orange County, Beverly Hills, New York, tier one. Yeah, fair enough. Kardashians, tier two. 
So Vanderbilt Rules and Jax and Brittany come in like I don't, I won't, I won't engage with Jax, Taylor. I won't engage with Jax. I don't agree with his work. I don't know. He's starting to look like Quagmire from Family Guy. Um, I just won't, en- I won't engage with Jax. I don't enjoy his character. No. I know it's a character, but I think it's also not. Um, but I deeply love Vanderpump Rules. I'm obsessed with Starsie's Instagram live. And I saw her once in the street oh. and I didn't know what to do because I was trying to reverse park and I can't reverse park and I was obviously outside her house because she just <laughs> she was still with her little dog outside. It was just like doing its business. And she was, I must have been parking next to her car or something because she just sort of watched me. And it was horrible because I never recognise celebrities when I see them. I'm so bad at like yeah, acknowledging yeah. them. And in LA you do see people and it's weird. Mm. But I was like, oh, it's Darcy. And I didn't know what to do. And I, it took me so long to park that car. And then I got out and was like, hey. And just walked away and immediately text everyone I'd ever met and be like, just parked in front of Darcy's apartment. I don't know what I do. It was too much. It was too much. I had to just I had to go and get a drink. I was meeting my friend for brunch and it was funny, like, bring the jug of mimosas and I'll Uber home because I can't go back to the car. So it's funny. I'll go back tomorrow under cover of yeah. darkness when Starsy will be out. I love it. I'm very excited for the new bar that apparently is happening. The Tom Tom. The two Toms. Oh, okay. So... Are you, do you live near all of that? Can I don't, like, I don't. Down? Sorry, I'm just jumping around like a basket full of kittens. Um, <laughs> this is how my brain works. It is literally kittens trying to stay in a basket. And they're like, no, I want to go over there. Because you understand, I'm not fixated on where you live necessarily, although we have had a conversation about driving to someone's house. Yeah, Ooh. it's rough. Yeah. Um, but it's just because I obviously clearly don't understand the geography of LA. Well, because LA is a nightmare. And the first few times I went, I hated it. I really hated LA. Um, and then when I actually met people there and got to know the city, I learned to love it mm-hmm. for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in Silver Lake, which is sort of East LA. Um, so East of the nonsense, um, <laughs> which is what I'm in the middle. I just don't, I try and avoid going into West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, all right. that area, because that's where the bad things are and the bad things happen. And the bad people, um, and do you mean celebrities? No, I mean some celebrities that are dead local. It's just that <laughs> nightlife, velvet rope, bandage dress, eight-inch heels. Oh, does that still coke for dinner? Yeah, coke yeah, dinner. it really is. Yeah, it's like what did you have for dinner? Like oh, a cigarette and a diet coke, and like mmm, delicious. Nutritious. Yeah, and that's not for me. Uh, and it's just I don't ever want to go to a place. I'm too old to be going to a place where I might not get in. I just won't do it. I will not do it. I've never had the face for those places anyway, even no, in my 20s. No, me either. And just They look at you and mm. they can smell Doncaster. And while that is a beautiful and fragrant scent, it's not getting you in to the front of the line in Hollywood. Because no. I don't know if you've ever seen Entourage, but you're not, you're not coming in. My name's not down and I'm not going in. I have watched Entourage and after I watched it, I realised how heinous. Yeah. And awful it was. But and that life is real. Old. That does exist. That stuff is real. And I just can't do it. And I've got friends that do. I've got a few friends that are showbiz journalists and they have to. Mm. And the stories they tell, it's just... I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't have done it in my 20s. And I definitely will not do it now. Side note. If you've, did you watch the Entourage movie? I tried really hard. It took me about three goes to get all the way through. And I loved Entourage. I loved the show. It's very entertaining. Yes. Um, yeah. But... Mark Kermode, who... Mm. His review was actually magical. And dubbed onto rage. <laughs> because it's, he's just... It basically... Mm. Well, it was just so confusing, because I did watch the show, mm. and 
I know there's an element of hate watching that kind of lifestyle, which probably isn't healthy, but it was an entertaining show about an unreal thing. Yeah. But then I think what happened between that show ending and then the movie coming out was the whole reality explosion. Yeah. Where that lifestyle, when you watch the show Entourage back when it was on, it was like a joke. It was mm. almost a parody and a satire of that world. Yeah. But the movie was a celebration of it. And I think that was such a mistake. But then people began, you know, with the Kardashians too, people aspire to that lifestyle now. They want that super glossy, high-octane celebrity lifestyle, whereas I think the original show was far more satirising that lifestyle. I wonder, if it, I wonder if reality, like proper reality, actually has any place anymore. Or whether it's just all glossy Everything reality. is just fictionalised. Yeah, it's terrifying. And that side of LA is what I can't do mm-hmm. and scares me I'll go to beauty launches in LA um, with the work wife Harry um, Harriet Hadfield Esquire that's we're coming on to the podcast yeah right? so me and Harry will go to stuff and we're just so noticeably the British girls because <laughs> we're just sat in the corner with like our regular face eating all the snacks and <laughs> oh regular really? face well because in LA like, and I think everywhere right? it's true everywhere I've just done like a tour of England and Scotland and it's true everywhere there are people now that make themselves up for their selfies yes. and there are people that make themselves up for themselves mm-hmm. and both are valid and both are good choices um, but I am not good at doing my makeup on screen like I'm not a makeup artist I just like to do my makeup for me and hope for the best when I put a camera on mm-hmm. my face um, but there are girls who just look absolutely incredible on the camera but yeah. in real life it can be quite intimidating yeah. <laughs> we're just like no. eating the mini burgers going like bring them on no I'm the same and as much as I do like doing my makeup though if I ever do a selfie on Instagram because I don't like to use filters mm. because I don't know how <laughs> see I love a filter I've taught myself could have um, just taught myself better makeup but instead I like, taught myself filters I like a filter that gives me cat ears I love that's my favourite one but in terms of what I mean actually I shouldn't have said filter I should have said airbrushing yes I, I won't like I, I try not to because I think I don't want to give people a false impression of what they're getting when they meet me. So if you see a selfie of me, it's probably it's with no makeup and it, it's me saying, look, my skin's not looking rubbish at the moment because of yeah. X, Y, or Z. But if I do a makeup selfie, it will be because I have spent quite a bit of time yeah. doing that makeup. And then I always do on Insta stories, I yeah. do the outtakes. Oh, nice. Because I just couldn't, I couldn't bear, I couldn't walk out, I couldn't meet you <laughs> after sort of being friends with you on social media now for a while and not... Can you imagine if I Are you disappointed in? that I don't have cat ears? Because I do spend a lot of time with the cat ears. I'm just a little bit disappointed. Yeah, I cannot set people on this tour. I'm just happy with the fringe. You're having nice. a good fringe day I'm today. having a really good fringe day. I've reached peak fringe. I trimmed it myself at the weekend. And we're back at peak fringe. Yeah, it's very... Yeah. And your colour, I keep, like, looking... Thanks. Do you have a layer of pink? Or so, is it... we bleach... I have an amazing colourist. My colourist, Naomi, in... LA uh, is Naomi Knights in case anyone's in LA check her out she's a best in Highland Park I'll have to get the she's link the best. I will yeah she's amazing um, it's just like a super cool little neighbourhood salon in um, Highland Park and she is the tits she's so incredible uh, so Naomi colours it she and her assistant Trey who I who deeply love and I have to keep like messaging after leave her like I love you um, it's fine <laughs> he lost his dog and he found it again and it was like, the happiest day of my life that's a fairy tale I'm so worried about him uh, so they bleach it out I'm naturally blonde I'm like dark blonde but they have to white it basically to get the pinkness light so you have to bleach it platinum and then tone it very 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 blonde and then they use Davina's uh, pigments oh, to get yeah. the pink yeah and they do a very like really pretty peachy rose gold that lasts like what wash because pink washes out so easily and then they mix me a colour conditioner 
So what this is now, it's just the colour conditioner, really, because all of the original colour is gone. Busy Phillips went rose gold recently, so I'm oh. obsessed with my Instagram. Oh, she's the best. She's, she's amazing. amazing. Yeah, she is someone that I probably would like, look at her Insta stories and try and work out where she is and, and be just friend. hang out. I think we'd get on. I, I don't want to go and do those like trumpet workout classes, though. That looks exhausting. I wrote about those trumpet work cl- workout classes because I well, I just wrote about it. Oh, okay. And then <laughs> like, I it looks amazing. Bored. I've spoken to the woman who does it. It does look amazing. Yeah. But I think that she could eat all the pies and still have a great figure. Yeah, there's that. She's like lean as anything. But then I bought a trumpet from Argos because I got nice. carried away with myself. Is it Get in Shape Girl trumpet from the eighties? Is it what? A Get in Shape Girl. Like, yes, that's what I would want. but I actually do use the trumpet quite a oh, lot, nice. so I just have it behind a door, yeah. propped it up most of the time, but then I will take it out in the morning, and if I don't have time to go for a run or like do any exercise, I'll jump on it for do 10 the minutes, and, it, and the reason why, it's a vanity thing, it makes all the fluid in your face go. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I think I'd have to get a very supportive sports bra and give it a go. Do you? I'd, I'd enjoyed my cousin had one I grew up next door to my cousin and we were only six weeks apart in age mm-hmm. but she had one and I wasn't allowed one so I think there is some secret trumpet resentment so yeah. I probably need to like work that out by getting a, <laughs> a trumpet like £37.99 pence. So that means I can probably get one from Amazon in the States for 50p exactly I should get one and it's not that big so you talked about your work wife Harriet yes. let's talk about full coverage yes, I am now the proud owner of a full coverage mug yeah. Thank you very much. Love a mug. There's Merch. enough tote bags in this world, so we won't mug. <laughs> um, how long have you... What, what prompted full coverage? Because if you haven't listened to it, listeners, please go and check it out on iTunes. It's um, Lindsay and Harriet talking beauty. Yes. Um, and nonsense. And nonsense. <laughs> and just being pretty brilliant. And oh, thank you. Being and, and the thing is, it's just putting good stuff out into the world. Yeah, so, it's happy stuff. What, what, what was your entry gateway into um, podcasting? So I met Harry a couple of years ago now, which is crazy. Uh, and she, I just moved to LA and a mutual friend introduced us and said, I think you guys are going to really get on, which I've had great success with, <laughs> with my friends. I'm like, okay, trust you, we'll meet her. And within about three minutes of meeting, I was like, this is where I buried all the bodies and this is where we can find them together. <laughs> and I think she was a bit scared, but I was like, I love you so much, be my best friend. Um, and she was applying for her visas to move to the States with her husband. So they moved over in January this year and we'd hung out a bunch of times and we were messaging and stuff before then. So it was really excited when she moved. And we started going to events together, beauty launches and stuff. And we were sat talking. We were actually waxing lyrical about the Tom Ford new dip quad. I remember so specifically, we were like, somebody was like, oh, what's on your eyes? I was like, oh, it's new dip. And Harry was like, oh my God, I love new dip. And this girl was like, you two, like, it's, it's quite nice to listen to you, but like, all you talk about is makeup. You should probably do a podcast. And we're yeah and Harry was obsessed with podcasts but she just moved to the States and she was listening to them in her car because she was driving so much because you have to in LA yeah there's a lot of driving yeah and I listen to a lot of podcasts um, I was listening to a lot of wrestling podcasts which is a different topic um, I was like yeah there's not that many BC podcasts and I think there's only you I was the person that we were listening to when we first started looking into it we couldn't find any others apart from um, it was you and then the Fat Mascara yeah. I think that was it so we're like, well you know give it a go what would we do differently because we don't want to do the same thing as you guys because what you guys do you do so well so well, what if we just do what we do all the time which mm-hmm. is just sit and talk to each other about makeup 
um, and just chat about what's good out there. And try what's not good? to talk. What's, yeah, what's, what's good? good? What's good, Miley? Uh, Miley hasn't been on. Um, she would. She should be so lucky. She'd be great. But yeah, she <laughs> would be great. pencil yourself in, Miley. Um, yeah, we just really wanted to have a positive, fun chat, and we try not to focus on negatives and try and just sort of have a good time and make it a fun chat for people to listen to mm. and just something interesting somebody messaged us and said oh I love it I feel like I'm listening to my girlfriends while I'm getting ready to go out I was like yes that's what we wanted and we love that and it's been really 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 fun I love making podcasts I didn't think I would but um, it's actually so much fun just to sit and talk to your mate as you can tell it's right the bestest yeah. it's the best. and the weird side effect that's come out of it for me is I've interviewed people for the podcast that I've known for years, um, yeah. brand owners that I've chatted to and have sort of known on a semi-formal basis, yeah. and now we're buddies. Like, it breaks down the barrier. Yeah, it really does, and there's something about talking to someone, I think, for a podcast different to when you interview someone for a magazine, which mm. I've done bits and pieces of journalism, and then you feel bits and pieces of journalism makes it sound like <laughs> professional. Just to clarify, I'm, I'm not a professional journalist like yourself. I'm a writer of nonsense. Um, but when I do it, like I feel like I'm trying to be really professional and have all my shit together and have my questions and make sure you know whoever I'm writing for doesn't get a bad rap. Whereas yeah. this is just talking about stuff with my friends. And same thing when we interview people, mm. you just end up having this really cool, fun, natural conversation. It was a revelation to me because I'm, as a journalist, I've yeah. been used to the you go in with fifteen questions yeah. and you've got seven minutes. And more you, and more, we tell you. Exactly. And more and more recently, um, they have to be approved questions. Yes. So yeah. there is no flow. You can't start off here and end up reverse parking in front of Starzy. No, you can't, you can't do it. You can't do it. Um, and it happened recently. I had an hour with um, a supermodel and she was amazing. Yeah. Thank goodness. But I actually felt really stiff and awkward. Yeah, because she just... She'd say something. She'd talk about, oh, I... You know, in, in an ideal world, I'd be a mermaid. And I go, okay, but what's your favourite red lipstick? Because <laughs> <laughs> so really, you want to be like, headline, in an ideal world, we'll be a mermaid. I know, yeah. why? Like, no. who would be Aquaman? Okay. Would it be the guy from Entourage or would it be Jason Momoa? This is it important. Would be, it, so it would be Jason, Jason Momoa, obviously. Yeah, I've, you know, I've done a couple recently, like little interviews with sort of semi celebrities and stuff, and it's always just so awkward because A, I'm awkward anyway. And I'm like, I love your vampire diaries. And then he doesn't want to talk to you. Who was amazing and just the nicest guy, but he is like a basket of kittens, and I am like a basket of kittens. So he's just going off on one about this horse that his missus bought him for his birthday, and how that horse gave the place he bought the horse from enough money to rescue seven other horses. <laughs> I'm like, is it a rescue horse? He's like, no. I'm like, but I'm so confused, Ian. And the PR is just stood in the corner going, like, can you two please get back on point? Like, I don't know. I don't know if we can. Because we're talking about his horse, and I can't even work out what it's called, because one minute he said it was called Joe, the next minute he said it was Paint. And my photographer is like, is it Paint or Joe? And I'm like, you sh- I should be asking that, but I can't, because this is hard. Um, so I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at interviewing in like a very structured um, situation, which is probably why that's not my job. But the podcast isn't that. The podcast is always just so much more fun and fluid. And the interviews that we've done have been amazing. We met. Um, I know you spoke to Dr. Morad, and we talked to him after you. And we were quite anxious about that because it was like our first big person we didn't know. And it was the best time. He knows everything about everything. Mm. And it was like sitting down with your mate's super clever, warm, encouraging dad who was here to tell you you can do anything. 
I felt exactly the same when I listened to that podcast that you did and I could feel you guys having exactly the same reaction yeah. to me which was why have I not spent more time with Dr. Murad in yeah. my life? No, I, I know where he works now. I have to sometimes feel like going around knocking on the door and be like, excuse me, Dr. Murad, I've got some questions about life. Can you show me an ink blot? And then tell me what it says. Afterwards, like, I stopped recording and he, he was very interested in the podcast and yeah. what I was doing professionally and, you know, which is so rare in this world. Actually, he said, you know, how do you make money and is yeah. there anything that we can do to support? Yeah, no, I know. Amazing. And I was sort of blurted out, no, 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 this, and I was, it's hard, and I want to do this, and, and he said, well, I started my business when I was 50. Yeah, no, he's incredible. And he just drops that nugget, and then you're in, and then he just He made us explaining. stay and eat a snack afterwards, because they'd got, like, pastries and fruit and stuff, and we'd finish, and we were like, we've taken up so much of your time, we're taking up, we're going to go, we're going to go, and he was like, you're going to get something to eat. And we had to stay and, like, eat some fruit and the snack, um, and the pastries, which were delicious. Um, and like we, I could have talked to him all day I would have just sat there and talked to him all day and in the end like his team and were like, you need to try on and we, like, we'd love to stay they weren't, they weren't that cool but they were just like oh is it that time and we were like we have been here for hours and we've not been recording for some time it's we're just asking questions about the Dodgers it's when you know they want you to leave but you just are enjoying it too yeah, much yeah I didn't want to go and he didn't want us to leave I felt like he would have, I mean maybe I'm projecting but I think we would have talked to him all day he was awesome, and that's the most amazing thing about the podcast. Plus, I get to hang out with one of my best mates for a couple of hours every week, which we do anyway, and yeah. talk about our favourite thing, and then share our favourite thing with loads of people. I had Sarah Creel on the podcast, and she basically makes all the beauty yeah. products that our, our makeup bags will have formulas yeah. that she's I created. Know, and we were just we talked about how bonding it is how it's so disarming yeah. the conversation about beauty products and how I was in Superdrug the other day and there were two teenagers covered in metallic highlight amazing they looked like little mix on acid <laughs> but God <laughs> they were having fun but they couldn't yeah. decide on a fake tan so I ended up butting in yeah and just having a chat with them and it was bonding no it's a massively bonding experience it's, it's been amazing and being on this book tour the number of people that have come to the book tour events and then ask about full coverage. Um, and I think it, it is a great level leveling playing field. And because it is a majority, it's a space that's majority owned by women, mm. we, we feel safe there for the most part. Yeah. And we don't feel judged. And if you're listening to our podcast, you know we're not going to judge you for loving makeup because mm. we've just spent an hour of our life talking about makeup. <laughs> and I just think it's such a good, freeing, genuine place, genuine, genuine place. <laughs> that it makes me really happy to be part of it. And everyone's been really supportive. It's been awesome. I do think that's what's been uh, incredible. And it wasn't that I didn't expect it, but I just hadn't put anything out there like this before. Yeah. When you get an email from a listener, or you get a DM or a tweet... Blows me away a lot. We had a, a, an email from um, a nurse who was like, oh, I've done my like night shift at the NHS and I put it on in my car to drive home so I'm not on my own on the drive home like I, I couldn't yeah. have ever wanted more than that and I never anticipated even that and even as an author who like I've had amazing emails from people saying that like, your book helped me through this difficult time and this was the thing that made me smile during this difficult time and they're the most amazing ones because mm-hmm. you forget that you're doing it for anyone other than yourself when you're creating something yeah um but the podcast we just thought we were like let's throw it out and see what happens and then it just has happened and amazing things happened and it just it makes me so happy it's like the proof of doing something good yeah. is there. I feel very happy about it. Like, it makes you me really happy. Thank you. You're welcome. It makes me very happy to know every week I'm like, 
I've yeah. got all my list of to-dos, and when it gets to the podcast thing, it's like my eyes yeah. sparkle. I'm like, I'm excited. What can Same. I produce this week? So cool. Um, we are actually drawing towards the end of our time know, together, and we haven't covered wrestling. Oh, man. We haven't covered... Oh, my God. We haven't even talked about um, life coaching. Which I just feel terrible. That makes me a terrible life coach. <laughs> We're just not talking about it. That's my coaching. We just had some, we, have a few, we exchanged a few tweets, probably a couple of months back now, yeah. about... I think I asked Twitter for permission to do something and then you validated like, <laughs> biscuit eating or something. I have my nickname with my friends is The Enabler. The so Enabler. In New York, it's a good I wrestling was, name. It is a good wrestling name. I don't know what my gimmick would be. I just and they go around enabling people to do stuff. But yeah, we all had hilarious nicknames when I first moved because we had a collective, which was the Broho Synthesis. Uh, me and my friends. The Broho Synthesis. We, well, so I will cut it really short, but basically I met a gentleman um, who I had a very passionate and exciting fling with, and oh. we were going to go on this whirlwind whisk away weekend together, because he was visiting and he was going to Vegas with some friends, and he was like, you and your friends should come. And we were like, oh my god, we're going to, this is going to be crazy, and it was literally like the next day, and I had to go in and say to my boss, excuse me, could I have tomorrow off to go to Vegas? And my boss was an incredible woman, who was like, never ask permission to go to Vegas, just tell me everything on Monday. And I was like, you're the best. So, oh my god, she's amazing. She was amazing, she was the best, and I, I will never not love that woman. But I was on the phone to my friend, we were working out flights, and I'm like, oh my god, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to go to Vegas tomorrow, we're going to do this. Of you. We're yeah, just do right? It. it was crazy, and I was like, I'm not that person, but we're going to do this. And then I got an email saying uh, that, from the gentleman, saying that his friend had put the brakes on it because it was supposed to be a bro weekend. Uh, and it, he'd, he had um, inside, he'd invoked the bros before hoes code. And my gentleman caller had to try to say, I was hoping for more of a bro-ho synthesis, but I have to like give in to the boys on this one, so it's a bros weekend. So I was like, let's just skip over the part where you called us hoes, mm. um, and actually we'll be the Broho Synthesis. So we were like, that's going to be our band, and then we realised none of us have got any musical talent. So that was just our, little, our friendship group, was the Broho Synthesis. Or the BHS, which for no. the English of us was actually really delightful. The well, Americans were like, oh my god, we're the BHS. And I was like, no. I feel like, no. yes, I love, I love Broho Synthesis so much. Yeah, it was the best, and we, was, we still have all of our Broho Synthesis nicknames. And I was the enabler. I was just E most of the time. Taking us back to Entourage. Because I probably would have been E as well, realistically. E? Yeah. So he was e. in the notebook with Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. And I often wonder, because he did a, a sitcom with James Vanderbeek. Because oh, yes. Comedy Central in the UK went through a phase of running all the pilot shows that had a season oh. that didn't get re... Well, I'm glad they found a home. And, yeah, they get up. and there was also Bad Teacher with Ari yes. Grainer, is it? Yeah. And I love her, I think she's brilliant. Yeah. But so I'd get into all these series and then be like, oh, when is there two away. coming? They're on Wikipedia and cancelled 18 yeah. months ago. <laughs> but I, I used to think, oh, he, was in, he was in the notebook with. I mean, good for him. I hope he's still working. I don't think he is. He'll be doing something. He'll be fine. He's made so much money from Montage. It's yeah. still on syndication, it's on all the time. And he might have Ryan Gosling's phone number. Probably has. That's going to get you yeah. through the night. Yeah, I mean, if you're having a rough day, quick text out to Rybags. What are you up to? Hi, Rygo. Yeah. Maybe he's a good life coach. I bet he is. I reckon he would be, you know. Because we'd all be enablers together. Yeah. It'd be great. Maybe we should invite him on the podcast. Ryan, why don't you come on the podcast and give us some life advice? I think he'd be really, like, stoic, but in a good way. Just, like, really, like, brief advice that everything, every word counts. He's so dry. I love him in interviews. He's great. 
Um, also, and this is going to lead us back nicely to Terry White, who's been on this <laughs> podcast before, and he found the perfect red lipstick whilst living in New York. Yes. Ryan Gosling, the actual Ryan Gosling. Yes. From Canada, lived yes. with Justin Timberlake, Mickey Mouse Club, all of that. Actual Ryan Gosling changed his um, background screen and possibly his profile on yes, Twitter to Terry's Empire cover. Yeah. And I don't call it Empire magazine, I do call it Terry's Empire magazine. Terry's Empire. I mean, everything is Terry's Empire. We're living in Terry's Empire. We are. That's why she's so great. Thanks for having us, Terry. That was amazing. I'm so sad I have to draw it to an end, but I do. I don't want to. But you should come back. I'm just trying to stop me. You've got to get rid of me first. (laughs) You should come back. We should. um, I should come to LA. You probably should. We should probably. Because we need to get that juice. We need to get that juice and we should probably record in Miles Dyson's house from yeah. to Yeah, and we should hike in a canyon. And then we yes. should go to Little Dom's in Los Feliz, which is across the street from the juice shop, which is where Ryan Gosling is often photographed having his breakfast. I'm booking my flight <laughs> in I've never seen him there. I've never seen him. Well, then you're but not he's there. Well, I, was lived, I lived down the road from it and every time. I, I have seen I have seen famous people there because it's just like a little neighbourhood Italian but it's like the cool place where the celebs go sure. um, and I I did see a couple of famous people there but I'm just so bad at spotting them but I would get texts from people and be like oh my god when I went past little dogs I rang cousin with that side I'm like why am I in this now why am I getting this now I'm walking distance what's wrong with you mm-hmm. I would be like oh, John Hamm was there last night and I'm like why is this happening he's got a booth there with his name in it because he goes there so often John Hamm like, yes I mean, why am I not getting this information while you're there? Listeners, we are currently in Soho recording, and we're in a basement. We're actually <laughs> yeah. at the Bobby Brown Pro Store, which we should, probably should mention. Yes, it's great. Because uh, it's very awesome. But Caroline Hirons uh, actually social media the other day in Soho, just seen Idris, Idris Elba. So I think after this conversation, we should have a Caroline experience where we should yeah. and exit the store. Just go find us somewhere. And just see somebody super duper famous and we'll tweet about it. Preferably Idris Elba or John Hamm or Ryan Gosling. Actually, I'm not fussy. I'm not fussy. No. I'll take anything. Chris Hemsworth, I'd be keen to see. <sighs> Love a celeb. I do love a celeb spot. I still get really excited. It's the, it is the Doncaster in me where I'm like, oh my god, a famous person. Which is so, it's the first famous person I ever saw was in Doncaster and it was Timmy Mallet. <gasps> so, Wackaday! Yeah. Word association game. Really sweet, yeah. <laughs> it was and it was always, um, <laughs> the prize was always, oh, Mel and Kim. Oh, the Mel and Kim vinyl. No, well, they're never going to be respectable. No. Is no. that what's wrong with us? We grew up percentage a lot of Mel and Kim. We were very ahead of their time. They were. I think we grew up with Timmy Mallet and a lot of Project U Tree on yeah. our screen. <laughs> it's probably quite a dark <laughs> yeah. note. Well, but on the upside, look where we are today. Look what it's made us. <laughs> we're, we're fabulous. <laughs> we're we never going to be respectable. That's what I know. That's the tagline for this show. <laughs> Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed that. I'm going to put the links to full coverage available on iTunes and I'm guessing all and good streaming Star-Pod, services. Yes, everywhere. Uh, I will be putting the links in the show notes. I will also be putting links to uh, Lindsay's books in the show notes because I think it's very important that we all support Lindsay and buy each and every single one of them. Please. I will be buying all 13 and then driving to her house and making her sign all of them with a lipstick. Nice. Nice so, I think that sounds great. So, on that note, we ain't never going to be respectable. Thank you for listening. Thank you. 
There you have it, that was Lindsay Kelk on The Emma Gunn Show. I will be putting all of the links to Lindsay's social media and the links to her books on emmaguns.com in the show notes. If you're having a good time, if you enjoy the show and you want to spread the word, there's only one place to do it. Why not head over to iTunes, leave me a five-star rating and a written review and explain why you're enjoying the show. It's the kind of thing that helps a show like mine get noticed on a massive platform like iTunes and I would be most grateful. It was a very great show coming up next week that I can't wait for you to hear. Uh, so I hope that you will join me then. But in the meantime, stay well and thank you for listening to The Emma Gunn Show. Are you looking to grow your business and stay resilient? Look no further than FM Global for your commercial property insurance and risk management needs. With more than 180 years of scientific research and data at our disposal, we'll work with you to engineer solutions that help protect your business today so you can prosper tomorrow.